Welcome back to the Pastor Talk Podcast. We are thrilled that you're joining us for another conversation as we continue through the Enneagram study this Lenten season. We are overjoyed that you've been with us. Last couple sessions, we've been talking about how the Enneagram frames our brokenness and ways in which our types can disintegrate into other uh, and less healthy habits. But this uh, podcast, we're going to be taking a different tack. We're going to be looking about how the Enneagram can frame us moving towards healthier, more integrated selves. And so a real change of tone and in many ways an invitation for us to consider how the Enneagram functions not just as a mirror that reveals who we are, but also a map towards what being a better self might look like. Yeah, today I think more positive, the idea of moving toward health. What does it look like as we from our type move into the healthy attributes of another type. And it's not that we change numbers just as with the negative. It's not that we change numbers. It's that we begin in a healthier place to embody some of those complementary practices and characteristics of another type. It is, uh, I think, again, one of the great tools that the Enneagram gives us is to say, from where I start, what might be lacking to some extent and what other type helps me fill in those gaps. And, and this is a little trickier, I think, Michael, than the, than the decline, because your assumption might be to just call out those traits of some other type and then start practicing them. But this isn't so much something that you're to do. It's, it's not a to-do list. It's to say that when you're healthy in your type, you begin naturally to embody some of these other things. It's, it's not something you can just say, well, I'll be more outgoing. I, I'll do this. I'll do that. It's, it's not an accomplishment so much as it's a reflection of what it looks like for your type to be healthy. Yeah, maybe just another word to describe that would be it's a diagnostic. It's a way that you can look at where you're at right now and you can identify how am I doing? And I do think, Clint, that this is really a gift from the Enneagram. It's an invitation for us to look at ourselves and to recognize when you are living into these healthy aspects of another number, that's an invitation for you to gratitude. How often do we go through life just sort of going from one thing to another? And it's really only in times of distress that we turn to faith. The Enneagram gives us a tool that when things are going well and you can look and self-reflect and say, I'm living into the best of what it means to be a six right now or a nine right now or whatever that healthy movement for your number is, then you can say, I'm grateful for where God has me right now. I'm grateful for who God made me to be. It's really, it's a beautiful opportunity to be self-reflective and to be grateful for what we find when things are going well as much as the negative is an invitation for us to recognize when we're not doing well. Yeah, I like the idea that we move toward the center, that we move toward wholeness. And as we do, we find ourselves practicing some of the traits of a complementary number. Interestingly enough, if you listen to the last podcast or if you look at the lines on the Enneagram, these are the exact opposite. So whatever moved to your number in unhealthy, you move toward in healthy. And it's 
again, I think uh, a compliment to the idea of balance within the Enneagram. But the very journey that one number takes toward disintegration, the other number takes toward them in integration. So it's a nice balance. It is. And that's why in the beginning of this this journey together, we talked about the Enneagram as a complex set of movements because it is. All of these things are moving towards and from. Uh, they're even moving within your type towards the wings and then you've got the triads. You're now seeing that we've built layer upon layer in this conversation. And what's great about the idea of moving towards healthy is this fundamental, we're returning to this fundamental Enneagram idea that there is a healthy that there is a good, that there's a process forward, that you're not stuck in the places that you've been. You're not uh, defined by the ruts that you've had. In that way, it's a very gracious way of understanding the world. It takes Jesus seriously when he says, I'll take up your cross and follow me. Yeah, we've spent two weeks talking about the crosses that we're carrying, but there's a following that we can do. We, we can move forward. And uh, we can live into the best of who he made us to be and intends us to be. And that's a, that's a gracious gift. Yeah, I think it starts from the realization that whatever type we are, whatever person we are, we are not complete. None of us are perfect. None of us have it all figured out. There are some gaps in us. And within the Enneagram type, there are some things that don't come naturally to us that at our best, we begin to embody. And I think that's a... It's, it's a nice way to think about wholeness. It's a nice way to think about growth. And I think it's helpful. So, Michael, why don't you get started? Let's jump in here. Type one, what, where, where do ones go as they move toward healthy? So type one, you've got that person who lives by this ideal, a person who tends to be really rigid and struggle with flexibility. A healthy one is moving towards seven. And really that I think is many ways self-explanatory. A seven is the one who's out there experiencing life. They throw caution to the wind. They're the life of the party. The one who's being healthy is inheriting that kind of flexibility. Maybe you even let me say joy, that kind of willingness to let go of some of the highly structured life they've taken for granted. And they're willing to just experience that that is a healthy place for a one to be. And a true sense of freedom for a one to live beyond that kind of interior jury that they feel accountable to, that, to live past that idea of what if I get it wrong. Remember the, the, the root fear of a one is, is being wrong or failing. And, and to be able to take the seven energy and move past that and throw themselves with less reserve and less caution and less fear into life, into relationships, to become a little less opinionated, to become maybe a little less prone to judgmentalism or to the idea that I know more than other people or, or I get it right more often than other people. It's a wonderful invitation for a one to follow the seven down that road and, and release some of that. Yeah. A one by themselves are not often going to be described as being goofy. And I think a seven is going to be described that way all the time. And so a, a one's doing well when they can take themselves less seriously. They can be a little goofy. They can, they can laugh at themselves. They can laugh at others. The, 
you use that idea of uh, silencing the inner critic. I think it's even just beyond silencing that critic. It's recognizing that that critic exists and that that critic is not you. And, and the moment that a, a, a one is living into that healthy seven space, they're able to really separate themselves from it and recognize that they are free. They're flexible. They're capable of experiencing life in a kind of a less rigid way than they ever knew was possible. Yeah. And I, again, when they do, I think your word a moment ago, it's joyous for them. I think when a one can get past that inner critic, they can respond with joy, with gratitude for life to, to live beyond some of that fear. And it's a wonderful release for a one. And, and if you as a one have believed your entire life that there is a minimum bar that you need to meet for you to be worthwhile, the joy of the seven is to be told that bar does not matter. Absolutely. All you have to do is live. That, yeah. that Christ has done for you what you couldn't do for yourself. You are not measured by your merit, but rather by a gift. Everything beyond that moment is pure freedom and pure joy because there's nothing to live up to. There's only to live. And that is what everyone hopes and dreams is even possible. And the beauty of that, and I think the word that we could weave into all of these transitions as we talk about growth is grace. A beautiful grace for a one is to say, you, you have been judged and you're, you're beautiful, you're worthy, you're good enough, right? The message that they f fear, you're not good at, to, to get the freedom of you are loved and you are valuable is complete grace for a one. Absolutely. And we see the same sort of movement with the two because the two is wrapped up into this idea that they need to feel everybody else's feelings, care for their needs, and therefore be a person who is worthy. And the two who is moving to the four is able to suddenly see and recognize their own feelings. Remember the four superpowers, that kind of inward turn, that inward self-awareness, that ability to live into the gray of human life. And the twos just lack that by nature. So when they move to their four, the two is suddenly able to access these feelings that have been hidden to them. Other people's feelings no longer define their feelings, and therefore they start to experience sort of awakening from within of the person who they are. Yeah, and unlike the four that can take that into kind of a deep sadness, for the two it's just a balance. It, it doesn't it doesn't bury them with feelings of unworthiness. It just brings them down to a place that they can appreciate themselves in a way that they can't naturally do as a two. And that gives the two access to a whole new way of forming relationships mm -hmm. because twos are, are so deeply intertwined in their idea of self with the relationships that they have. The healthy two going to four suddenly has access to a whole new relational tool chest. And so they're able to distinguish between the fact that, oh, I'm keeping score right now. I'm doing this for you because I feel upset. So I'm doing this and I'm keeping score and I, I, I need to not do that. I, I need to just give because I want to give because I want to actually give it 
not because I want something in return. So you just see how it actually makes the two's relationships even more robust because it gives them access to the ability of living out of an authentic self as opposed to grasping and holding on to others to define themselves. And that's a great point, and maybe one we should have even made at the beginning, Michael. But as we move toward another number, we do not give up the best of our own number. So a two is still wonderful at connecting with people. A two is still relational. A, a one is still incredibly proficient and, and competent as they move to seven. And a, as a two moves to four, what that allows them to do, though, is not to use those relationships as a mirror of self, but really to be able to bring their real self to the relationships. And it, it, it just immeasurably increases their ability to have true connection with people, which they're instinctively good at. But this makes it Genuine, And the only way that they can do that, Clint, is because they start to take care of themselves. Absolutely. A two has to be, they have to disavow the notion that the only way to exist is to love other people, is to always give, 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 never return. And I, I believe that the two who's in a healthy space is able to truly recognize that their feelings and their health their person matters. And as a two begins to warm to that even being a possibility, they'll be living in a healthier place. Absolutely. So the threes. The threes we have are people who are committed, they're driven, uh, they're seeking to project this image to other people, what they expect them to see. The natural move then for a three in a healthy place going to six is that the threes willingness to substitute any meaning for their own meaning, to project to others what they think others want to see, they move to the six who live with, from the three's perspective, a beautiful sense of centeredness. This beautiful commitment to things that are true and right and good and commitment to people and to systems. The three suddenly discovers that life is not a dog-eat-dog -dog fight to get your way to the top through any means possible, most efficient is best. The three discovers there's this whole world full of light, color, meaning, relationship, joy, values, and that you don't have to drift based upon what room you're in and who's in that room, but rather you can be a person who's centered, who has meaning and value unto yourself, and that move to six is a great gift of grace for the three. Yeah, I think it's truly a revolutionary idea for the three to encounter uh, an allegiance to things outside of self. In, in other words, something deeper than my own best interest, a, a cause or a relationship for which I'm willing to give myself as sixes do almost naturally. But for a three, that's, that's not where they come from. And so to learn that, to move toward that kind of deep allegiance to things outside of their own best interest is a, is a wonderful gift for three. Yeah, there's an ability then for the three to really have a deep sense of satisfaction and joy in the process of living. Threes are so driven by getting stuff done, doing it well, doing it in a way that others appreciate and will give praise for, that really the idea 
that you don't need to go at 120 miles an hour, and that you can bring people with you. It's just a revelation to threes. In fact, you know, I honestly think that to the three who's living into this six, the idea that you can be, as one author said, just another bozo on the bus is an incredible gift because the three can suddenly realize, oh, I don't have to lead this. It's okay if it's not the most efficient process ever. It's okay if we don't get double the earnings we had last quarter. I'm just going to be with the team and try to encourage people and try to help. And that's a kind of freedom that threes aren't used to. Right. And again, it allows them then to incorporate their tremendous gifts to point their drive and their efficiency and their skill set. And, and so many of those things that are truly great about them and use them with other people in a way that they don't naturally because a three naturally may be with people, but it's about them. Exactly. And when they can free themselves from that and become part of a team, just an incredible value that they can bring to any real endeavor. A healthy three is able to do what they do, not to propagate their own self-image, but rather for the good of others. And that is a beautiful place to be. That leads us to the four. The fours move to one. And there's a sense in which fours, which might be stereotyped as kind of loose, they might have that um, almost kind of artist stereotype where they maybe don't meet deadlines or maybe they don't live with a whole lot of structure. They're more philosophical. They're more creative. They're not so much nitty gritty, uh, ticky tack. This is how to get stuff done. But a healthy four is able to live in a world which is structured and full of meaning and joy, which doesn't flip from one emotional high to another. It's grounded and yet they can still live into the best of their creativity because they're able to exert and to create and to find meaning without being horribly um, caught between the different waves of the times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, the four becomes a little less chained to that, that self-identity, particularly as they often negatively define themselves. They gain a little discipline, the ability maybe not to follow their mood swings quite as much this the one's ability to to evaluate and to make judgments and to exert tremendous energy to accomplish things the the fours struggle with that and so a healthy four as they begin to embrace some of those practices some of those characteristics it it again we use this language in each time, but it sets them free. It unchanged them from that sense of the, of not being worthy and frees them to, to point their tremendous gifts, creativity, in, uh, in some new areas, I think. A healthy four is going to discover that the things that they feel so deeply within themselves is not the same as who they are they can separate between what they feel and who they are so that they can recognize that on the other side of that, that they have agency. That yes, you feel this way, but you have choice. You don't need to live in gray. You don't need to live in darkness. You can live into light and joy and freedom. Uh, that there's a, there's a road through there. And 
a forced temptation is to believe that what they feel is who they are, that there's no way out of that trap that they feel that they're in. And so the freedom of the four is, no, there is life beyond those feelings, not away from them, uh, right? Once again, the uh, four gets to live into the fullness of their real creative experience. And some of the best creative expression comes from healthy fours who are able to pair that knowledge and self of the human experience with the drive, the grit, the competence, the ability of the one, that's a powerful pairing. Yeah, I, th I would think we would see some examples of, of that in arts, in dance. You, you think of a dancer that has put in countless hours and been to the been to the stage on time, been to the practice room on time that has suffered in order to perform well and to stand out. And that's a powerful combination, that a person in touch with their deep inner self and the creativity and the, the, the power of that, and yet able to harness it and point it where they want it. I think those folks can can end up uh, being pretty impressive. You know, one of the greatest gifts to a four is the reminder that the good that they've always dreamed might exist does exist. And that good is Jesus Christ. The, the discovery that this whole that, that you've experienced in yourself is not brokenness within you, but rather a place in which Christ seeks to live. And there's a wholeness that can come to a four that they've only dreamed of before. I think is it fair to say, Michael, what it what it frees them to do is to be unique, which is their desire, but in a way that isn't about them. In other words, it, it, their uniqueness no longer distances them mm. from people, but actually connects them to people. To that, no more can be added. Exactly. I think then we move to five, looking at how fives go to eight. Fives are those people who compartmentalize their lives. They're very cerebral. They try to collect and maybe even take unto themselves to give themselves advantage. I think um, if you know any fives, the move to eight just makes sense because the fives are not assertive people by nature. They don't go stand in the center of the room. They're the ones who are always on the outside observing, perceiving, sort of seeing what's going on. And what they need is a little bit of that nitro. They need a little bit of, a, of just a kind of energy that pushes them into the room, that animates them, that they can sort of stand up and stand for something that matters to them and do that in a way that's got some energy and punch behind it. Because for a five who's maybe the right word is reclusive, that push outward is a demonstration of health. Yeah, so you think of the five and the, and the study they do and the, the knowledge they have and the, the competency and the skill set, and yet the, the bridge for them that's often lacking is engagement. They, they often possess those things, but either don't know what to do with them or don't do anything with them. And so that engagement of the eight that sort of naturally throws themselves out there to try and get things done and, and move people and accomplish things, 
th that is a great path for a five because now you bring that tremendous knowledge, but with a motivation to actually use it. There's a stereotype that academics tend to be all in their head and not much good for anybody. Um, and of course, not every academic is a five, but there's a sense in which you can even see in history those people who are deep thinkers and perceivers and observers who are able to connect that to real life relationships, movements, moments in history, these are world changers. These are people who have, have at certain junctures of history changed the world because they were able to see something and communicate something deep and profound and yet they had the energy, the vitality, the relational ability to push that forward in a way that made sense to real life people. And so the five is earthly good for lots of people if they can live into that eights ability to show up, to be present and to bring life to life. Yeah, it's like they join the rest of us. Instead of being off to the side, they get in the mix. And if they can bring their uh, treasure store of all of the good thought and perception that they bring with them, they're going to contribute a lot. Which is the gift for a five, that they realize they can move the needle, that, that we need something they have, that, that they have something to offer, right? That instead of this fear they live with that life is unknowable, that that they can jump in and help us move. You know, this is actually, if you want to look at this from a ministry perspective, those are the people, Clint, who are experts in something that's really obscure, like the original Star Trek series or something that they've really dug down into. The people who are fives who realize that there's a gift in that ministry are the people who use that to connect with the kids who care about Star Trek. And suddenly that thing becomes a ministry. Or maybe they're good at mechanics. They're, they could take a car apart and put it back together. Well, suddenly there's a kid who's getting to work on cars with someone who demonstrates who Christ is. That five doesn't want to be in a room of 200 people, but that one kid in one shop at one moment, that's a life changed. That's the power of a five. Absolutely. So that moves us to type six. The six moves to type nine. You have these people who are really, if we're going to be honest, anxiety-driven. They live in a world that's dangerous and they're seeking to surround themselves with people who love and care for them, will be loyal to them, will um, be able to carry them through the difficult seasons that have come and are going to come. And so a six who goes to nine who's living in this healthy place is going to suddenly begin to experience the kind of peace and mediated joy that the nines take for granted. Yeah, that sense of calm that is so often lacking in a six's life and so readily available for a nine, that, that ability to disconnect, which can be a struggle for a nine, but for a six is a wonderful gift to be able to unplug, to be able to step back, to, to be able to give up the fear that the structures are going to crumble and that the relationships aren't going to last, and, and to say, I'm just, I'm okay right here and right now, which is one of the great skills of a nine. Sometimes they overutilize it, but for a six, that is uh, like going on vacation. 
Yeah, I think here's, if this helps, I think the difference between a nine and a six is the nine assumes a state of peace is possible. In fact, they live their life trying to get there. They want to live in the peace as much as they can. The six, the idea that one can experience that peace is a pipe dream. The idea that that peace is out there is something that they're on a lifelong quest to find. So the six arrives where the nines start. The nines think, I want to live in the peace as much as I can. The six realizes there is peace. There is a way of living in the world that's not anxious. And that's a huge gift to the six. Sure. And, and sixes are always trying to take the temperature of the surroundings. Right? What is this system trustworthy? Is this structure okay? Is this person okay? Are my people okay? The nine has a, a wonderful ability to evaluate their own temperature. H how am I feeling? Nines are, are, are really well suited to those kind of internal conversations that sixes aren't. And so for a six to be able to combine their loyalty and their fierce devotion with a sense of self and a sense of, of, of personal trust is a, a tremendous path for them. I mean, I, I just think, again, I, I think for them, it's a moment to step off the treadmill and to find some rest and some, some peace, literally peace, the peacemaker being the nine. We move then from the seven uh, that is moving in a healthy place to type five. You know, sevens are always thoughtful people. That's the thing that we keep saying over and over again. Sevens are frantic. They're out there. They're filling their life with experiences, but they're in the head triad. They're in that group of cerebral thinkers. And the seven then in a healthy place is able to slow down the frantic pace they're able to pause and they're able to live into the five's perceptiveness and willingness to live in quiet isolation. That maybe is a weird thing to say for sevens who are so relational, but it's a step forward for the seven to be able to sit in quiet for a moment because it's in quiet where the seven starts to find that that thing that they're running from, the fear of the stress, the fear of the insecurity that they believe is inside them, that thing that's driving them to be frantic and fill their life with what's essentially meaningless experiences, that, that it's okay, that you can face it. It won't overwhelm you. And, and the ability of the five to be calm and analytical, to see things without a whole lot of attachment, that's a gift for the seven. Yeah, this transition maybe makes the most sense to be Michael, because sevens are mind people. That's why they stay so busy because they're afraid of where their thoughts would take them, but they're thinkers. And the five is the one who is willing to pursue thought deeper, which is exactly what the sevens are typically unwilling to do. So to me, this makes perfect sense that a healthy seven is the one who will follow where some of their thoughts take them like the five instead of their natural bent, which is to get busy enough to ignore it, to, to escape it. The, the seven is capable of doing far more good than they could possibly imagine. If they are able to channel their energy in, in the kind of sustained and 
deeply sourced way that the fives have, this sort of deep storehouse of knowledge and experience and ability, if a seven can access that, they have all of those relationships. They have all of those experiences to bring to bear. They have the superpower the fives wish they had. They have that thing that puts them out there and it, it, it gives them the ability as they live into that five to recognize that they have inherent worth and meaning that they can draw from, that they are not shallow people. And that may surprise some sevens. Yeah, and I think that's a truly powerful combination. You take the fearlessness and the vitality, the energy, the relatability of a seven, and you add <coughs> a depth of thought and careful thinking and, and the willingness to get in touch with their own fear and to deal with their own stuff, that releases the seven in ways that are profound. And, and now instead of being out there just chasing stuff to keep them busy, they're channeling all of that into truly good things. And I, I mean, those are, those are incredible. I, I think healthy sevens are phenomenally um, important people. That takes us to eights. Eights are another type that, of course, driven um, by that big presence, that big energy we've already talked about today. They make their way towards type two. And of course, the gross oversimplification of the eight is uh, they're going to um, make progress on whatever they think is important. And that sometimes means not being having much empathy and running people over where needed. So it makes sense that when an eight is living in a healthy place, they can access some of the two's emotional feelings. They can recognize and perceive how other people are feeling. They can empathetically respond. Um, they can uh, ask questions before taking action. Um, they become less aggressive in their standpoint. Everyone that has a different idea is not a threat. They're rather a person who needs to be cared for. The eight who at their worst is a bully um, living into their two becomes a strong protector of others and they uh, put down other bullies. So uh, the eight living into that connection to the two becomes a powerful source of good in the world. I think what that movement allows for an eight is the ability to move outside of themselves a little bit, you know, as, as gut people and the idea that they know what's right and sometimes the willingness to minimize people's feelings to get to what they think is right, that relational bent of the two, um, t it tempers them, it, it softens them. Um, one of the authors said you, you often see eights begin to crack in this way with children or animals that they, they first begin to sense the vulnerability of something and that awakens for them that connection with their own vulnerability, which is what an eight is always running from. And so when an eight can get in touch with that and begin to nurture relationships like a two naturally does, again, it frees them to bring some of their, um, their tenacity, some of their, you could even call it stubbornness to the table, but hopefully pointing it in directions that still are helpful, but less destructive 
and less, less inclined to be harmful. Eights who are growing into this relational ability are growing into a form of personal vulnerability. They're willing to open themselves up. The greatest fear of an eight is betrayal, being stabbed in the back by being in a weak moment. And the two's relationality surrounds the eight in a kind of comfort, a kind of protective love that is not safe. And the eight has to struggle with that reality that getting, letting people get closer to you does increase the likelihood that you get hurt. But the eight lives into the reality that I may get hurt, but I'm going to be okay. That, that I can live through the hurt. And um, that's a great gift for the eight. And, and I would say maybe even paired with that, Michael, you, you know, the eight, some eights receive the message or, or carry the idea, don't have anyone in your life that you need, that you couldn't walk away from. And what I think an eight learns from a two is that there may be pain in relationship. And not only will the eight be okay, but it's worth the risk that, that the relationship, that the person, that the connection is worth being vulnerable for. And, and to uh, the idea of losing that shield or dropping that armor to be in true connection with other people, th that is a world changer for an eight. When an eight is able to pair their aggressive determinism with the protection and value of people, they become an immense good for the world. They become the, the individuals who we have relied upon to promote justice, to create uh, equitable societies, quite frankly. The, the eight is able and willing to challenge authority for the sake of a person. And that connection to the two channels the two's love and care for others and puts it with a kind of energy uh, that the world would be missing without. That takes us to nines. Nines in a healthy space make their way to three. And Clint, I think that this is also pretty intuitive. The nine at their worst is tempted towards slothfulness, towards just a lack of energy, just not feeling like they really can put themselves out there and that there's really even a them to, to put out there. And as a nine lives into that healthy space, they make their way towards the three's energy. The, the three is uh, active and busy. I mean, they are efficient. They are driven by success and presenting themselves, putting themselves out there for people. And the nine, they're never going to be a three. They're never going to embody that in the, its same kind of energy, but they're going to start to see within themselves a drive to accomplish a goal. A nine's going to say, this matters to me, so I'm going to pursue it. And you're going to see them championing themselves, championing things that matter to them, living in into an identity that, that matters, willing to engage in conflict with where necessary, but mostly just accepting that they are a person worth accepting and then therefore living that out in the world. Yeah, it's funny, Michael. I, my experience of, of type nine is that they almost instinctively understand self-care but struggle to practice it. Mm. And so by, 
by embodying some of the three's energy and drive, it frees the nine to act externally and internally. They can now find a little bit of that discipline, of that motivation to go take the walk, Mm -hmm. to call the friend they haven't talked to, to do some of those things that are struggles for nines. That sense of drive that the threes have helps the nine do what they often know they should, but lack the ability to just force themselves to do it. And it gets them over the hump in some sense. Yeah, absolutely. That nine is the individual who needs to know that they can have real agency in the world. And I think the first sign of health in a nine may not look like them going and starting things. It may look like them saying no. Absolutely. Because for many nines, the idea that no is a appropriate boundary is the first time they've ever really received that. So instead of the nine trying to create peace by making other people happy, you might see a, a nine who's living into their healthy self beginning to make people unhappy by creating maybe even some conflict by saying, no, I'm not adding that to my calendar. No, I'm staying home. No, I'm reading a book. No, I'm going for the walk. And in doing that, the nine is starting to accept and take agency for their own life instead of letting other people set their calendar and the tone of what they do. Yeah, another way I think that manifests itself is that the nine will be more willing to engage what is truly good than what is false peace. So in other words, the nine listens to their friend complain for two hours and doesn't say anything. The healthy nine is able to say, well, I, I, think, I, I think you need to do so. I, I think you, no, I think you're in the wrong here. I don't think that's fair. In, in other words, instead of just managing people, Right. Instead of just managing people so that the nine can get back to their own status quo, the nine actively begins to contribute in those relationships, to have some agency and some give and take. And um, that may be saying no. It may be confronting a friend. It may be. But but they begin to find the ability to do that with the with that energy that the three brings them. I think maybe the right word for a healthy nine is vital or vitality. That idea of living. Nines need to wake up to their own life. And if you're not a nine, that might not make sense. But a nine needs to recognize that there is a kind of energy and essence that lives inside them. That is an essence that naturally lives in a three. A three never wakes up wondering, I wonder if I can affect change in my world today. That, uh, the three assumes that. The nine living into the healthy three uh, number, that nine will realize, I have something to offer the world today. I, what I do matters. And that waking up, that vitality is living. And that is a great joy for them. Is it fair to say, Michael, that perhaps health for the nine looks most like what they already do, 
but looks most unlike why they already do it. Because the nine wants essentially to keep people happy so that doesn't intrude on their own life. But the healthy nine genuinely cares about the happiness of other people. They become genuine peacemakers, genuine caregivers, not as a way for them to escape, but because they embrace the idea that peace truly matters in people's lives. So in some ways, the healthy and unhealthy nine don't look remarkably different, but the character of what they do and the reason they do it may look entirely changed as they move into health. Yeah, I think that's true. And one author said, and I think is very helpful, one author wrote that nines of all nine types are the ones who we would be most safe in trusting our children and our communities and our world to. Because when a nine wakes up to their own life, they will have agency, they will do stuff. Mm -hmm. And you know what? It'll never be about them. Right. It'll never be to their own good. It'll never be at somebody else's expense. The nine is in a really beautiful way, a kind of sweet presence and spirit in the world. And if they can put the action and energy of a three behind it, uh, they have a lot to offer. They, absolutely, definitely. Well, we hope there's something in this to think about, whatever type you are. You know, the commonality in all of this, Michael, is that as we move toward health, we all within our own stuff move away from self. We move toward genuine relationships. We move toward true values. We move toward goodness, rightness, caring about others. But for each of us, that may look like a slightly different path. It's the same destination, the idea of wholeness, the idea of Christ-likeness in our traditional language. But we get there from different starting points. And I think, that, again, the Enneagram helps us. I hope that there's something in here for people to think about. I hope there's a challenge in this as you live with the number you might be thinking of as yours. Where does it take me? In, at my best self, in my best moments? What do I have to learn from that type who offers me some things that I don't naturally gravitate toward? And we appreciate you exploring this with us. We hope you're well, we hope you're safe. Hang in there, we're going to get through this and join us again when we get back together to talk Enneagram. Thanks.